0: As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord today. Amen. Go to the book of Exodus, the 14th chapter. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea, upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them, on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. It came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. That means uh, God God had the morning watch. God was watching over the morning while everyone was sleeping, or actually while they were walking through. They didn't know what was going on. The Bible says the Lord was on the morning watch. He was watching. Amen. And uh, troubled the host of the Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. The Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, or that the waters may come upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea. The sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared. Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. Amen. I want to preach to you today from this title, Taking Captivity Captive. Taking captivity captive. you want to put your Bibles down, let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we're seated here today. Thank him for his word today. God, anoint our ears, our hearts, Jesus, to receive your word and to take it with us and apply it in our lives. Help us not to be just hearers, but be doers as well. In Jesus' name, you may be seated today. Amen. Before I forget, uh, there's boxes of food out there, uh, fruits and vegetables. If you want to take one and take some for your neighbors, be a blessing unto them. Obviously, we have plenty, and we want to get rid of them all. So uh, may the Lord bless you, and you bless somebody else with those as well. Amen. Thank you for the Barkers for helping organizing that. And for the uh, the Friday morning crew that is there to... Uh, load them up and pick them and put them in our cars and all those things. Thank you for that. 7 o'clock comes early on Friday morning. We know the Lord will bless you for that. Amen. In October of last year, a man by the name of Thomas Alexander was doing what many Americans do in October, hunting deer during muzzle loader season. And so the Lord must have found favor upon him because a large buck ended up in his crosshairs, and Thomas clenched the trigger. This was around 6.30 in the evening, because we know that because he called a family member, and he was excited and he was thrilled that he had just shot a large buck. And like every hunter, Thomas goes in search of his kill. And what does he find? He finds the buck that he had just shot. But his buck is not dead. His buck is still alive. And let me tell you, this buck is not happy. He had made up his mind that he was going to let Mr. Thomas know that he wasn't too pleased that Thomas was throwing lead at him really fast. And so around 8 p.m., Mr. Thomas calls another family member and tells them that he had been injured. Tragically, on the way to the hospital, he died from his injuries. Thomas Alexander, the hunter, had become the hunted. Things don't always go as planned, do they? One day you're on the mountaintop, and the next day you're cast into the valley. One quarter you're winning, and the next you're losing. One minute you're the hunter, and the next you are the hunted. With such swings and unexpected upsets, one can only imagine the shock and utter confusion that takes place. Going from one extreme to the other. Shifting and sliding from one place to the other. Talk about your nerves getting twisted like a pretzel and your emotions bent all out of shape. Um, that the only thing that can bring comfort to your soul would be some kind of consistency in your life. When things are constantly changing all around you, from going up and down and up and down and new cycle to new cycle, what you need in your life is something that is constant, something that doesn't waver, something that isn't changing every single day. And I'm here to tell you that what you need more in this day and hour is Jesus Christ and his unchanging word and how he changes not because the writer of Hebrews lays it all out and he says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't have to worry about an upset with Jesus. I don't have to worry about Jesus turning on me because with him there is no variableness. There is neither shadow nor turning And I don't have to worry about what kind of wind or wave tomorrow is going to bring. I don't even know what tomorrow holds, but at least this that I know... That if I seek out Jesus in prayer and I grab a hold of his hand, he's going to see me through whatever tomorrow brings in my life. Whatever storm shows up on my doorstep tomorrow, if I'm walking with Jesus, it really doesn't matter, does it? Because God is the same, Jesus is the same, and I'm going to be with him each day. If you happen to survive the shift... Can you imagine the utter shock that takes place? And I know that we have experienced this uh, shift in our lives at times. Many, many experiences uh, all of a sudden shift so drastically, we're, we're caught off guard. Can you imagine the shift that takes place in the heart of the person who was on top of the world? Or so they thought, and now they're eating crow for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Talk about an emotional train wreck. There isn't any medication that strong to help you. Of course, the that view is only from one perspective. That view is from the perspective of the hunter. When Thomas Alexander climbs down from the tree and and turns and is standing eye to eye with the buck that he shot, you better believe that a heart attack is the the line leader of that hunter's parade. But what about from the perspective of the prey? What happens in their minds when the tables turn and the prey starts hunting the predator? When the victim Uh, Declares victory over the victor. When captivity is taken captive, you want to talk about a swing of emotions. One second you're struggling in the valley, you're you're barely making through, and while the enemy is up on the high ground, on the hill, laughing from the mountaintop at your expense, and then, then all of a sudden, you uh, some, a shift takes place, and now, now you are the one on the mountaintop shouting, and your enemy is down in the valley, just where you were. You can't believe just what happened, but what a reason to rejoice when. God comes through and lifts you out of your situation and brings you and sets your feet up on the mountaintop where you thought you'd never get to, but God stepped in and brought you out of that valley and turned things around in your life. Talk about a reason to rejoice. (laughs) Psalms 68 and 16 says, why leap ye, ye high hills? You high hills of power, you strongholds of the enemy, why are you leaping? What are you rejoicing about? This is the hill which God desireth to dwell in. Excuse me, pal, but God wants this hill. And you have set up your shack on the hill that God wants to dwell in, oh, Mr. Enemy. And he doesn't just want to camp out there for the night. The verse says, yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. I just love that language, how the Lord will dwell in it forever. There's no if, ands, or but about it. It says God wants that hill. God desires that hill. And he's going to dwell in it forever. He's not even asking permission. Excuse me, Mr. Bad Guy, but God wants this hill. Can you please move your stuff, please? Maybe that can be our problem sometimes is that we are too kind and respectful to the enemy. The enemy who is rude and disrespectful to us, and we want to treat him cordially. He doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care if you get hurt or your life gets shattered. Uh, excuse me, uh, Mr. Spirit, can you please stop bothering me? No, that's not how God handles things, and we shouldn't hi- handle it either. Why leap ye hills? This is a hill which God desired to dwell in. Yea, the Lord will dwell in it forever. So what does God do? The next verse, the chariots of God are 20,000. Even thousands of angels, the Lord is among them as in Sinai in the holy place. And thou hast ascended on high, and thou hast led captivity captive. And so what does God do? God starts marching right up the hill to those who were just leaping, who those who are shouting because they think that they're in power. They think that they are the hunter. They think that they are the predators, and they are the ones who are holding others captive to their will. And so what does God do? God ascends up to that hill, and what does he do? He takes captivity captive. The only one that is going to be bound is you, devil. The only one that is going to be bound is not me, but it's you, evil spirit. That's the God that we serve So we should fear the enemy. It doesn't matter how big they are, our God is bigger. Does anyone believe that today? That if God wants to heal, that God can take the hill. It doesn't matter how high the hill is, our God will ascend it. It doesn't matter how many enemies there are, how many spirits you're fighting, The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels, and the Lord is among them. Talk about a verse to comfort you. 20,000 chariots, even thousands of angels. We know that there's millions of angels waiting for the beck and call of our Lord. And so there are more that are on our side than the enemy's side. And so why is it that when... The enemy shows up. We feel like we're outnumbered. Doesn't the Bible talk about how Lucifer uh, was cast down and took a third of the angels with him? That would mean that there's two-thirds left if my math uh, leads me to believe that. Two-thirds is greater than one-third. There's two, two good angels for every one bad angel. And plus you got us in the mix. And then you got God on the throne. And so it doesn't matter who shows up. God's going to take the hill that he wants to ascend and that he wants to dwell in. And so I can't help but to recall. Psalms chapter 3. And excuse me while I read this, but it's hard not to read the whole thing because it's a great thing that builds our faith and confidence in God. And so it says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me, and many are they that rise up against me, and many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for them and God. But Thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. And I cried unto the Lord. Anybody ever done that when you feel like the enemies come in? I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and He heard me out of His holy hill. I lay down and slept thy wake, for the Lord sustain me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. We should not be afraid of the enemy. It doesn't matter how many of them there are. Because arise, O Lord, and save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. The blessing is upon thy people. Anyone here? The people of God. Salvation belongs to us. God's blessing is upon us. That His hand is upon us. And so we should not be afraid of the enemy when they show up. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. He is mighty to save. And we are on the winning side. I know sometimes it might might not feel like it, but if we just hold on, if we just stand there, if we just keep on fighting a good fight of faith, I know it can be discouraging when it feels like we're passing through the valley of the shadow of death, and your oppressor is leaping up on the hill at your situation. They're laughing at you, even, it may be even... Uh, Manifest in your family or your friends or loved ones that are making fun of you and laughing at your your struggle as you're struggling to make it through the valley and they say, oh, you're a Christian and you're suffering and they're laughing at you and they're trying to discourage you and get you away uh, while they're leaping up on the hills and that's not the time for us to hang our heads and defeat, but that's the time to borrow one of the chariots of God and ascend up the hill that God wants to take and take captivity captive. Take a hold of what God has for us. One of the greatest examples of this is taken in our text. And at the onset of this, we read it, how God had heard the prayers of his people in Egypt. He had heard the whips of the taskmasters. He had caught the cries of the captives. His people were helpless, and, and they were victims. They were not the victors, but they were the victims. They were the captives, not the captors. And God said, it's time that I take captivity captive. We want to take a, talk about taking people captive. It's time that God steps in and takes a hold of what's getting a hold of you. I believe that God, that's what God wants to do, to take captivity captive. And we don't even have the time to talk about how God destroyed the economy of the world's superpower, Egypt of the day. And you think COVID-19 has decimated our economy and how it's going to take years to get out of this hole and we haven't even felt the bottom yet. You just go ahead and reread the ten plagues that God threw at Egypt. But our text picks up the story as children of Israel were crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. And there were enormous walls of water on each side. Sorry, Israelites, but we don't have time to stop and to take selfies and to put them on social media because we're being hunted by Pharaoh and his army. They don't got time to pose up against the walls of water and put a big nice backdrop because the armies of Pharaoh are moving as the scripture says. They're chasing them down. They're hunting them down. And they're trying to come after them and conquer them again. Verse 23 of Exodus, it says, The Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now let me just interrupt here for a for a moment, like those ads do on social media. But God doesn't like to see his people running for their lives. He doesn't that, that really bothers him when he sees his children being hunted as prey, unarmed, and they're being pursued by a ferocious army, the toughest army of the day. God gets upset when he sees his kids being chased by chariots. And so verse 25, what happens, and God took off their chariot wheels and drave them heavily. So God said, the only chariot wheels that I like are the wheels on my 20,000 chariots. The only only chariot wheels that I like is, oh, I'm going to go ahead and flick these wheels off these Egyptian chariots because I don't like them. I only like my wheels. And so he took off their chariot wheels and drave them heavily. And, And so now here is that moment that I've been talking about where the hunter swallows his teeth because he just realized that he's not the hunter anymore. That he's not the predator anymore, but all of a sudden now he realizes that he has become the prey. The verse says, so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. Now, just uh, two verses earlier, they're saying, let's pursue them. Let's follow these guys into the Red Sea. We're going to get them. And now all of a sudden they said, uh, let's, let's turn around here. Let's flee from Israel. Uh Uh-oh, I think we need to turn around because I thought that we were pursuing the Israelites. But now it appears that the chariots of God are pursuing us. And I just lost my rims, and so it's not looking good for me. My axles are dragging in the dirt and I don't think I'm going to be making out of here very fast uh, besides these massive walls of water. Especially now that the chariots of God are coming after me. And so God says now it's time that you know what it's like to feel that you're being pursued after. You enjoyed the pursuit of my people. Now it's the time that you feel what it's like to be pursued and and running for your own life. You enjoyed whipping my people mercilessly. Well, now it's time that you know how it feels as I whip you with this 300-foot-tall wall of water. You like to oppress my people with, uh, and weigh them down with unbearable tasks. Well, I'm about to weigh you down. I'm going to drop the Red Sea upon your back so you can see how it feels to be smothered and covered. Verse 28, the waters returned, covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the hosts of the Pharaoh that came in to the sea after them. And there remained not so much as one of them. That's what it looks like when our God takes captivity captive. That's when uh, what it looks like when God steps in and can grab a hold of the situation, grab a hold of all the Egyptians, Pharaoh, and all, the, all, their, all their chariots and, and conquer them all, the armies of Pharaoh and the people of God who were in the valley, who were running for their lives, who were being oppressed by the enemy that was up on the hill laughing. Now the tables have turned. And now it's the enemy who's at the bottom of the sea. And the people of God are on the hill on the other side of the Red Sea. They're leaping and they're praising God and they're rejoicing because it was just them that were down there in the valley. Now they are experiencing the the victory that God has given them. Now they're no longer being hunted, but God is fighting for them. We can see them singing right as the waters closed. And the last Israelite got through. They were singing and rejoicing as you, you and I would be doing as well for Exodus 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake saying, I will sing unto the Lord for he hath triumphly, triumphed gloriously and the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare Him a habitation. My my Father's God, I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host... Hath he cast into the sea, his chosen captains are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them, and they they sank into the bottom as a stone. And thy right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in place in pieces the enemy. And in the greatness of thine excellency. Thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Uh, thou sendest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Many times, a lot of times, we think the enemy's attacking us. But here it says that they, the, Israel, the, the Egyptians rose up against God, and that's who it is. When it's a spiritual battle, they're fighting against God. They're not fighting against you. So don't take it personal. You just need to let God know what's going on, and God can come and fight his battle. Verse 8, with a, with a blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap and, were, and the depths were congealed into the heart of the sea. The enemy said, this is what they say all the time. I will pursue you. I will overtake you. Anyone ever felt that or heard that from the enemy? I will divide the spoil and and my lust shall be satisfied upon them, the Israelites. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. That's what the enemy is bragging about before they lost their wheels. Thou didst blow with thy wind and the sea covered them and they sank as lead in the mighty waters. That's all God's got to do. He doesn't even have to get, pull his sword out. He's just got to blow, and the wind will come and wipe out the enemy. Doesn't that just electrify your faith? Seeing the hand of God taking captivity captive? What a great story that is, but there's even a better one than that where the hunter becomes the hunted. We fast forward 1,500 years when God. Put on his camo and he came to earth looking for the hunter. The whole time Jesus was here walking around disguising himself as an innocent lamb so that he would look like prey in order to be hunted by the lion that's roaring around seeking whom he may devour. And guess what? It worked. The trap was set, the hunter had set its sights on Jesus Christ and, and Jesus feels Satan moving in. He feels his breath breathing and getting louder and getting closer upon him. And As Jesus said in John 14, hereafter I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. So Jesus knows he can feel Satan moving in. The chess pieces coming to a close. Uh, The prince of this world is coming for Jesus. And Jesus knows there's nothing inside of him. There's no stronghold that the enemy can get a hold of. Here comes the predator. Here comes the captor. The time has come. The hunter is coming for the prey. But in, in, in John chapter 18, we see this starting to play out. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Like Jesus didn't know what was going on, he goes out and he greets them. Who are you guys looking for? This is one of my favorite parts of all this, is that the hunter, Satan, clearly wasn't paying attention to this. He should have been. He was probably on Facebook scrolling, just wanted to pop on for a minute and ended up being 30 minutes later. So he got distracted. So the, the hunter wasn't paying attention because if he saw this, he might have just changed his mind about this whole plan that he had taken out this innocent lamb. In verse 5 and they answered, Jesus of Nazareth Jesus saith unto them, I am. And Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. And as soon as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and they fell to the ground. This is this is everybody. That whole band of brothers, Judas brothers, that they came. Judas's little mafia with their Nerf bats and their water pistols to come get Jesus. Jesus said, I am. And when they said that, they fell to the ground under the power of God because he just declared who he was, I am that I am. And I am Jesus. I am the one you are looking for. And when he said that, they stepped backward and they fell to the ground. They didn't trip over each other. The power of God came down and they could not stand in the presence of Almighty God. They fell to the ground when Jesus said, I am. And so they just realized. They just realized that they're really not in charge. At least they should have realized that. Who says that and gets thrown to the ground? So they come hunting for Jesus and they get thrown to the ground, not by their own power. Jesus just whispered two words, I am. And they were thrown to the ground. But nonetheless, when Jesus let them get back up, Jesus let them arrest him. You believe that? You and I had that kind of power. We wouldn't be arrested, i tell you that. We'd be having fun all night long. Jesus throws him to the ground under his power, and he stands there like a lamb and lets them get up and arrest him and take him to jail. Why? Because Jesus' plan was not to defeat and take that little mob captive, but he had bigger plans. He needed them to take them to the headquarters, to the dungeon, to the enemy's stronghold. That's where he needed to go. He was going to ascend the hill and take captivity captive. And that wasn't going to happen out there in the garden of Gethsemane. No, he needed to go into the enemy's headquarters and start uh, uh, taking captivity captive on the inside. And so that's what his plan was. And so Jesus begins the long road to Calvary where he feels the wrath of God's judgment as Jesus carried the sin of the world upon his back. Musicians, if you want to make your way up. And as Jesus is being nailed to the cross, hanging there between heaven and earth, there in the crowd is the hunter. There in the crowd the only one that's smiling ear to ear. Happy about what's going on here. That's the hunter. Gleefully watching his prey take his final breath. And then Jesus declares, it is finished. He gives up the ghost and he dies. And then the party really begins. The celebration of the century commences and the confetti starts falling and things, balloons start going up everywhere. Jesus Christ has been killed. That man, the prophet of God has, is out of here. Satan is going around showing all his buddies, look at this trophy that I took. Look at this, look at my kill. Look what I got. And every one of his buddies were happy and they were jealous at the same time because they wanted that kill. But as the celebration continues into the third day something happens. There's a there's a knock at the door. The big party house where it's all going down, there's a knock at the door. And the door is open and there Jesus is standing there and all he says is, "Give me the keys." Give me the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Give me the keys to your own kingdom. And the hunter then became the hunted. And the prey walked into the predator's camp and said, enough is enough. Your power comes to an end today. You're no longer taking people captive, but I'm here to take you captive. I'm here to take captivity captive. And the victim walked up to the victor and said, it's time that you feel what it's like to be the victim. And Jesus walks out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And what do we see happen later on in Scripture and Revelation? Uh, Revelation 20, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the priest and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. In verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire as well. Why? Because Jesus has the keys of all those things. And now if he wants to throw them into the lake of fire, he can do that because he done took them captive. He took captivity captive. All the hell you caused, devil, it's time now for you to start feeling some of your own flames. All the tormenting that you've done to the souls of men, it's time that you start to feel that torment forever and ever. That's what it looks like. When captivity is taken captive. When the hunter becomes the hunted. And aren't you thankful for the power of God in your life? Aren't you thankful that Jesus stood up and said enough is enough. It's time that your power comes to an end. It's time that your reign comes to an end. Why? Because i am come here to get the keys. I come to take you captive and take you prisoner because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. He's already won the battle. He's already taken captivity captive. But you and I were just kind of waiting for the whistle to blow and for it to all to be over. That's really the bird's eye view of this: is we're just waiting for the whistle to blow. We're kind of on the field playing, and we gotta, we gotta you know, we gotta do our drills, gotta do our plays. But the scoreboard, we already won by a landslide. We're just waiting for the time to run out. That's all we're doing right now. And so now's not the time to give up. Now's not the time to give in. We're so close to the end, so close to God blowing the whistle and taking us out of here. It's time that we unite greater than ever before. It's time when we bind together and we take captivity captive. It's time that we turn on the enemy in our lives, turn on the hunter in our lives, and we pursue them. You stand with me today. It was the military tradition of Rome. When victory was won on the battlefield, that a massive parade would be held in city, in, the Rome, in Rome. Massive parade, the whole city was invited. Why? Because uh, a military conquest, they defeated a nation, they defeated an enemy. And so it was their tradition that in this parade, that the, the conquering general of the army would ride in on his chariot. I mean, he's the one who led the armies in the victory. He's the one who helped defeat the enemy. And the people would cheer him on in a triumphant entry. An open display of grandeur and victory and and all. And uh, what a great day this was for the general. But behind his chariot, behind his chariot, and actually chained to his chariot. Being dragged right behind the conquering general was the general of the other army. The one who they just conquered and defeated. They let the general, the king, whoever was over there, they let them live. And they took them captive. It says, well, hey buddy, we're you're invited to a parade. We're going to march through the, the city of Rome and 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 declare our victory, and you're invited, pal. Even though you're the enemy, even though you're the one that we defeated, you're invited. In fact, you can right, you can go right behind me in my chariot. The only thing is, is you're you're chained. And you're shackled to my chariot because you are the one that I defeated. And we're going to let the whole world know that I defeated you. And you're going to walk this mile of shame. Uh, and so he was dragged behind it. And so this was the most humiliating thing that could be done to this general. Death would have been better than to be drug through the city of Rome and everyone laughing at you because you just got defeated. And what's worse is that obviously after that you got killed. And so... Uh, right before you died you got the humiliated uh, humiliation of your lifetime. And so to this general who was on the hill laughing, leaping, thinking that he was winning, looking at the captives below and laughing at their situations the greatest day for one general and right behind him was the worst day for another. When the tables had turned and the hunter had become the hunted. Uh, The greatest day for one, the worst for another. And that is what Jesus did to sin and the devil. Colossians tells us, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And so sin comes up to Jesus and God says, look at all these things that person done. Look at all the things that they have done, all these sins, all these documented facts and accusations against you. And what does Jesus do? Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us. He just go ahead, he erased all those sins, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way Nailing it to the cross. He says, go ahead, bring those accusations to me against them. I'll take them and I'll nail them to the cross. Having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And so the devil thought that the public spectacle of Jesus' crucifixion was the greatest thing. He was up on his hill laughing leaping but as it turns out it was there on the cross in front of the whole world that Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers. It was there in front of everyone that the hunter become the hunted and that Jesus took captivity captive. And guess what? The reason that he came to live inside of you, the reason that he filled you with his spirit is so that you too can take captivity captive. You too have been given power over all the enemy. You too can ascend up that hill where your enemy is and oppressing you and laughing at you and making fun of your situation. You too have the power to hop on one of God's 20,000 chariots and ascend the hill and say, hey, God wants this hill. I'm here to take this hill in the name of the Lord. And So what are you leaping about, oh hill? What are you laughing at, old enemy? I'm here to take the, the the land in the name of Jesus Christ as Isaiah tells us the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek And have sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Those that were bound, they're not going to be bound anymore. We're going to take prisoner, those that are trying to arrest everyone. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all them that mourn. And to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes you know what you, you, you're mourning, you're, you're, you're weeping, you're, you're crying, and you're suffering because of your situation. Well, God's going to turn the situation around. God's going to take you out of the valley, and He's going to take you up to the hill. That's going to give you a reason to rejoice. That's beauty for your ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that He might be glorified. If it feels like you're in the valley and the enemy is up on the hill laughing at you because you feel like you can't get out of this. It's time that you lift up your head and start to ascend the hill that God has given to you. God's given you the power and the authority to take dominion over the spirits in your life, the things that are coming after you. If you've been bound and oppressed by the spirit of heaviness, it's time that you turn around and start binding that in the name of Jesus. It's time that we, as a people of God, start taking captivity captive. Don't become oppressed anymore. Don't become prisoner anymore. It's time that we turn around and we start chasing the enemy. We start putting the enemy to flight because God is for us. God is fighting for us. Come on. Today is the day where we are no longer are being running for our lives. It's time that we fight back. It's time that we ascend the hill. Will you do that with me? What's bothering you? What's oppressing you? Let's find it today in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's worship together. God is on no. our side. No. He has overcome. Yes. given us the He victory. has overcome.
1: We will not be shaken. We will not We're be not going moved. anywhere. Jesus, Jevil. you are here. We're carrying, gonna turn the tables carrying our burdens.
0: today hallelujah in the
2: name of Jesus in the name of Jesus hallelujah 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 before we go I want to give
0: an invite an opportunity if you if you want prayer if you're going through something and you need some help you need a boost in your faith you need a touch, you need to be prayed for, you can come down here to the front because we're gonna take captivity captive. The things that are binding us, we're gonna bind them in Jesus' name. If you want prayer, you can come on down to the front. For anything you're going through, we'll bind, we'll believe together in Jesus' name. Come on, as they continue to play, amen, we're gonna bind together and believe in the name of Jesus that God would have victory, that will push back the forces of darkness today. Hallelujah. Ama, we're we're victory. We're victorious. We're taking captivity captive today. We're turning Why don't we shout with a voice of triumph? Why? Because we are victorious. We are the people of God. We're not going to be taken captive, but we're going on the offensive. We're going to fight the devil. We're going to bind
2: the spirit in the name of Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we bind every unclean spirit in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah Worthy is a lamb, worthy is a lamb, worthy is a lamb. We thank you Jesus, we thank you Jesus, we thank you Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus! Hallelujah, 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 Jesus! Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Ala, la na, 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 na Bohokasha. Ala, na, 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 la na, na, Bohoka. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil the devil cannot defeat us. But what he can do,
0: he can discourage us. And that's oftentimes the way in is through discouragement. Constant discouragement, constant oppression by bad news and and bad situations. That's what the Bible says to be renewed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our mind has to be constantly renewed and saying, yes, I am a believer. Yes, I am victorious. Amen. And if, if if it's been a few days since you've prayed or read the Word of God, you, your mind becomes open to discouragement. A carnal mind is enmity with God. We have to cast off that carnal mind and put on the mind of Christ. And so in these last days, it's not hard to get discouraged. You don't have to be a Christian to be discouraged. You just get a text and you're discouraged. You look at the news and get discouraged. Uh, and so... If we are going to be living victoriously in these last days, we've got to keep our minds engaged in the Word of God. Amen. That's why we're, we're trying to cleanse ourselves in this preparing for this all-night prayer meeting. Man, we've got to get rid of all those voices, distractions, and discouragements. Why? Because we need to believe that God has filled us with His Spirit, and we have the power to bind and to loose and to take authority and dominion over spirits because they do not have power over us, we have power over them. And it's until that we believe that and start doing that, that's when we're gonna really see things break through. Amen. Amen. Those of you that are um involved in the uh the gates of prayer for Southwest Florida, amen. You can go ahead. We'll just meet over here. Amen. If, uh, if you're leaving, be sure to take a box of food with you, a box or two. Amen. We've got a lot more than last week. And so be sure to take that and be a blessing to you and your neighbors. God bless you all. Dismissed. Thank you for coming today in Jesus' name.